0: Hello, and welcome to AMO Kenzoku. We are a group of four Bubblegum Crisis boomer otaku, who talk about uh, various topics revolving around anime, manga, and other related otaku topics. This is episode 25, being recorded on January 26th. 2023. The Kenzoku are Sam.
1: Hello. Dylan. Hi. Mike. Hey y'all.
0: And I am tonight's host Nick. Tonight's topic is Maiden Abyss Season 2, The Golden City of the Scorching Sun. Uh, but before we v- move on to the topic tonight, uh, did anybody have something they wanted to discuss from last week's app?
2: Uh, correction from uh, the... Was it Kenzo or last week? Um, but at any rate, we talked about the... Uh, oh, yeah, it was from Project AQ. It was the um, the Pandy counter, and we were incorrect. ADV actually had a Jiggle counter that they trademarked back in... Uh, October of 2005 and it was used on Plastic Little and uh, Burn Up either XS or W, one of those excess. one of those two, Excess, that's the Excess one, but Nagika Blitz Tactics did come with a promo uh, set of panties at the time so ADV always keeping it classy
0: uh, keep it classy ADV
3: definitely not my favorite ADV feature, I'd say I preferred the ADVid note. Pop-up video-style liner notes on Excel Saga to either of those.
2: <laughs> Surprise! Vague, I vaguely remember those were those were kind of fun for a show that was so uh, cheeky, just ridiculous to have an equally ridiculous thing.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't High Dive basically being operated by what, what is whatever is left of ADV at this point? Something I don't that know, effect. but
2: S-Sentai, Sentai Filmworks, which appears to be they've got all their stuff, is on there along with some others. But that's um, John Ledford, who was one of the two founders of ADV.
0: Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was linking. So kind of it kind of loosely ties in because uh, High Dive had exclusive um, U.S. streaming rights for uh, Made in Abyss Season 2. So I guess it kind of ties in to today's <sighs> Topic loosely,
1: yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, Hashin.
0: So, uh, this we we're calling this season two because it is technically the second season of television, but it's kind of the third part of the story, right? Because uh, the the final movie was basically a direct follow up to TV season one but for sake of continuity i'm just going to refer to uh this the the golden city of the scorching sun because that's a obnoxiously long title i'm just going to call it a abyss season two so is everybody okay with that
2: i guess but i'll file a complaint because i still think it's i still think it's season three and if you look at the soundtracks which are all up on uh, apple music and everywhere for included because this is the awesome part of the future we live in like season one has out soundtrack one, season two has soundtrack two, season three has soundtrack three. So,
0: <sighs> okay, fine. I mean, no, if anything, well, no. it's
3: what at least arc four. We'll will we'll, uh, really we'll call up...
0: we'll each will each call it whatever we call it. I'm going to call it a this season two. <laughs> no, no, no chaos. There's a
4: season <laughs> three coming. <laughs>
0: It is season two. This is season two. This is season. season this is the second
4: season of anime.
0: Yes, In the movie was a separate thing. This is the season two. There may be three OSTs, and all stellar, by the way. But
2: but there's there's such a difference because there's stuff where there's like you know you could say uh, I'll just pick an arbitrary one of like Naruto, or whatever. Where there's season one, and then there's like a movie as a as an interlude thing, and then there's the next season but you can go and watch the next season without watching the movie whereas for Maiden abyss if you don't watch um dawn of the
0: deep soul deep
2: soul movie like you would just be like wait what how how are they what how are they down here what what is prushka what's happening i don't
4: think that That's... qualifies it for a season though
3: yeah i don't think it makes it a season but i agree it is rare to have a movie in between television seasons that's actually necessary as opposed to a side story.
0: I, I do agree with that. I mean, it's there's it's no secret that The Dawn of the Deep Souls is mandatory watching if you want to watch, you know, Abyss in the correct order. But uh, in any case... <laughs> okay. we will call <laughs> it
2: TV... I'll call it TV... TV two. I, I will, I TV will produce TV two. T, T,
0: TV 2. TV 2. I think that's fine. So... Uh, it's interesting because when it comes to the total amount of time that passes in TV Two, uh, from the perspective of our three main characters from you know the previous content, so that would be Reg, Rico, and Nanachi. Only it feels like maybe only a few days actually pass. Is am I the only one that thinks that?
4: I think so. I, right? I got because... the impression it picked up right where it left off. Right? They doesn't the movie end with them jumping into the pod?
0: Well right, but I'm just saying all the events that happen in the entirety of the season from a current timeline perspective, obviously there's a lot of, of, of build up with the histor- the history of, of the city, but as far as the thing the events that occur from when, you know, the, the three main characters reach Iruburu till the very end of the season, I feels like at most it may be like a week. Oh yeah, I see. What right, saying. like sure. it's it's day it's probably days. I don't even think it's a week. Because... Yeah, because
3: I mean that seems about right for how long they've spent on any of the layers, doesn't it? Like mm. the longest layer they spent was
0: probably when Rico had them recover. The
3: layer right.
0: Mm. Or... That or Re- that or Rico getting her arm all messed up and having to recoup that. I'm sure That's the right. actual yeah. amount of time for me having that was actually quite long.
4: And there was a lot but of montages through. There P-Beth. certainly was.
0: But that kind of segues to the one of the first things we see is the passage of time in the abyss is not linear or at all related to the passage of time on the surface. That was made abundantly clear with the simple fact that you know all of the the three sages right so Belov, uh Wazekian, and and Vuko were al- one alive and two at least from the perspective of looking at Vuko, didn't really look like she aged very much.
4: But I didn't, So I mean, this being the Abyss, I didn't really take that as a, just being a, that the time had contracted or whatever, or dilated, I guess, that just because, I mean, they transformed into hollows, right, most of them, and Vueca was special, but she was, mm-hmm. even though she was still human, she was also kind of.
0: The well being, in had like prison. tapped
3: into and kept alive yeah.
0: It, yeah it even begs the question was passage of time only was the passage of time only within the city basically uh you know slowed or is it the is, is it a, fa- a factor of the abyss because one thing we saw was for the for, uh, for the first time we almost saw a breaking of the rules of the abyss right where the curse didn't was being he- held out of the city for hmm whatever reason i have i have my theories on that maybe we can get to that in, those, in the, later in the segment but i guess i just wanted to expand on so i guess the discussion currently is is the time passage of time rel- relative to only th- things in the city or is it the entirety of the sixth level of the abyss i guess well, is the real
4: question. I, I still don't i, I think it
3: I still think it's been longer, like even I forget which of the sages, but one of them said it had been hundred and fifty years from their Correct. perspective,
2: so yeah yes. was, was it was was it account said that at some point years, yeah. and then it's it's clear from I believe they said it back in first season or something that like the town had been there for like
0: a couple of thousand years,
2: yeah, a couple of thousand and years, very that like, obvious ended, that
0: when they first landed. On the island with the abyss, it was not developed. I mean, there were natives there who kind of worshipped the abyss as a deity, right? And that mm-hmm. was really it. So, I guess I guess all these factors point to the to what exactly? What's our conclusion then? Because I still really can't decisively come to one. Is it is it the is it the abyss or was it the city or maybe both?
2: I, I think it's abyss time compression. I think as the further you get down, the more that
0: time the passive time is warped basically yeah it gets i i'm like time dilated. i i'm i'm kind of leaning towards that as well
4: like, you run that by me again how how i'm still not on board with the whole the time is slower at all how how is that how did we get there from
0: so how, how well the simple fact that all of well, at least voyeco is alive right i mean how do we explain that if she is definitely human because the of the curse of the abyss did affect her eventually Yet, at least 150 years had passed since they um, entered. So that must mean that either the abyss itself is uh, has a time dilation effect, or it was uh, it was being in the city, and the city was actually the cause of it. I feel like the, that's really the only two conclusions. Well, or being to. in yeah. the yeah.
3: specific part of the city that Voyaka was in.
4: Yeah, or the city has other powers, like, you know, it has a force field that keeps the curse out, Like, that yeah, it, could, could do other things to keep her. Yeah, that's what
0: I'm suggesting maybe it was a city. Again, it doesn't I feel like it's not really clear right now which it could be
3: Didn't seem like people who were transformed aged after that happened like, was there anyone who really seemed that old in the city Yeah, at I all? mean,
0: w- with the hollows it's kind of hard to tell if they're aged anyway, right? I mean Wazukian clearly was being depleted for however long because he his his end was different than pretty much every other resident of of uh, Iriburu, right? Um he kinda just turned to ash because he was so depleted. He didn't he wasn't consumed by um by Fapta and he didn't just cease to exist because he didn't uh, because the uh the city was breached, so his even his I mean everything I mean he was a very special character regardless right I mean he mm-hmm. clearly was was you know the catalyst for a lot of the events um that occurred and maybe maybe we can start maybe we can segue from there to the the three sages right so the show the series the season opens up with uh a, a blast from the past where you see these ships navigating the ocean and we see our familiar compass and let's, let's let's just gloss over the very beginning because that was horrifying. But um, with with Vueko. but you basically see that Vueko is on a ship with the compass, and you know they're very obviously looking for the abyss. And it's inferred that you know there there are three sages, and the those, the three are well, herself, Belloff, and and is kind of like the de facto leader, right?
4: I I didn't get the impression that they were looking for the abyss, but Wazukyan was leading them somewhere, and they didn't really know what it was.
0: Mm, well, I feel like there's, they must have known something, because they were even given the title, right? Of Like, the title will give, will give us Ganjo, which is literally a suicide core to explore whatever that, you know, that thing. Is. Because I feel like at that point, the it, while it wasn't thoroughly understood, the, the people, I think the general population knew that there was something wrong with the, that place, right? Because other people had gone to it and bad things have had happened to them
4: Um, i was that was indicated my my impression was not that they like they didn't know the abyss existed they knew they were going to go somewhere and yeah they you know the whole prophecy style thing of whatever suicide mission and whatnot but you know it's kind kind of like they knew a destination but they didn't know what it was because you know like you say nobody comes back from there so
0: yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. But it was definitely clear that they were going to a place where more or less they were not expected to come back.
4: Yeah, sure.
3: Though it did they also were, seem like they didn't feel like they were welcome to come back from wherever they were from anyway.
0: Oh, well, yeah, right. They said, they said themselves they were all abandoned by their homelands and they had no place to call home. That's, that's why Wazukyan's goal was to basically find a new home for all of these, these people. At least that's the impression that we got. <laughs> and i and I, I i still believe that was his ultimate kind of intent was to lead his air quotes people to this to this golden city that that he saw because you know everybody kept saying he was touched by the divine i believe is how it was translated but he was basically you know a, a prophet right he was he was special different than everybody else even the other even the other two sages um even Belof, who seemed to be you know a, a little bit different than the rest. I mean, he seemed to be, you know, more kind of analytical and highly educated than the remaining kind of, you know, the remainder of the ganja, right?
2: Mm-hmm. But at at the same time, though, like, it's it's a very common uh, religious and se- quasi-religious thing where you have the, you know, for the searches for El Dorado, the the City of Gold, and then you can look at any of the various, lots of various... Uh, religious pilgrimages like uh, you know, one that comes to mind is like the Mormons, where, you know, they left an area and were kind of exiles, and then they kind of wandered around for a while until they found their uh, you know, found their their city of gold area of Salt Lake City and they had a uh they had their major prophet and then um other people, I'm not trying to get into a whole you know, religious history of the Mormons here, but I was just kind of thinking that it's, uh, you know, it's a very, it's a common thing that has happened throughout history many times of groups of exiles or semi-people that, you know, you generally don't leave your home and go on a quest after its legendary city place you've heard of that has strange treasures and gold uh, if things are going great at home.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely um, pretty heavy like religious undertones and abyss, even before S two, I feel there's again, like we were talking about in the previous ep- previous episode on season one, where the the abyss is kind of deified, right? Like it's tr- it's treated like a like some sort of you know heavenly entity in and of itself.
2: Yeah, I. What what is it? Where does it come from? What is it doing? how did how are the things that are there there? Because there's already so many old and weird things that are down in the city of gold and in the transit area as they as the ganja swakawad gets down there
0: yeah and that was another interesting thing right is we figured out very early on that all of this stuff in what I, i i at least in the movie i presume that um that Bond dude actually built that whole facility. That was the impression I had. It never was stated, obviously, because it turned out that wasn't true. It looks like the fifth layer had existed in that kind of form, at least for you know a couple of millennia back. And that Ganja Squad, through some through sheer luck, it seemed, because they just happened to find a bizarre creature that had a what was a white whistle to be able to enter it. Right. I mean, that was indicated in in the in the season. And they, you know, they descended into the sixth layer. And then they also...
4: Did they show them finding the white whistle, or...?
0: They didn't show it. They just, it was just glossed over. I, I like, kind of yeah, assumed they, they... that, like,
4: somebody died and they ended no. up with it.
0: No? No? No, no, they so, said no, they, they found they, a creature they, clutching yeah. a white whistle. Is what uh. it was basically said, and, and
2: it was it was like an unformed white whistle, like the the more it, raw, yeah. Pruska it looked form. like a
0: Prus- yeah, like a raw form of it. Yeah, yeah. okay. the, the creature, clutching it, also was not was rather odd looking. Um, and then of course they had to pl- do the experiment of, well, can we go back up? And then of course they find out what happens when you try to go back up. So
2: <laughs> that everything's was, fine.
0: Yeah, you're, you're you're just a pool of guts now, but you know. That's okay. Uh, I guess those people, I guess at the end of the day, those two probably had a more merciful end than what ended up happening to that squad, right? So, you know, they for, they get to the, so by some, by sheer grit, and I'm sure, you know, careful planning and all that and teamwork, they get to the sixth layer and, and manage to survive, right? I mean, they make a homestead. They they've they've encountered the first time that that they encounter uh, interference units, right? So this is kind of the first time we're seeing these.
4: Survive is a strange choice of words to use for how <laughs> things went for them.
0: <laughs> well, they they were they did live for what seemed like a while. Uh, it w- yeah, they not comfortably, obviously. I mean, they found water, and it turned out the water was actually a a, a creature that um was eating them from the inside question mark i mean it made them it made them violently ill is the best way to put it i mean they were literally yeah poop- they were all literally pooping their pants yeah um, yes. except for wazukion from what i gathered he somehow seemed to avoid the illness of that or he managed to cover it up very well but my theory is that at that time he already had actually uh Clutched his cradle of desire unbeknownst to everybody else that's my running theory which is why he, which is why he avoided the illness because it was he, it was very clear that he at some point had clutched the cradle because he was the source of the third one. that was definitely confirmed mm-hmm. so that's my theory again you know no that's the only real reason I can think of that he avoided that because he was drinking water like everybody else, and he was the one that ultimately cured everybody um
4: he also though or you know people got sick at different times and at different rates too so like yeah could have just maybe been nick of maybe time he was change. just more
0: durable sure and yeah. that's totally a reasonable thing he was def- He's definitely was older than most of the other um adventurers at that point most of them seemed to be rather young yeah. From, from what I gathered. Uh, various age. There were a couple of, like, there was that one buff dude who was obviously, you know, a little bit older, but I feel like Wazkown was probably the oldest. Yeah. And, you know, um, so he, he they, you know, everybody's getting ill. Idomiri's, you know, violently ill, and they, the interference units basically say that children are the best ones to give the cradles to because their desires are the most kind of un corrupt they're most pure so Mm -hmm. they all bet big on her and it it worked question mark right i mean yeah
4: in a monkey's paw kind of way yeah yeah very
0: right well that's (laughs) the best description right those those from the what i could what i gather those cradles of desire are very much a monkey's paw right because you know it it, what, what the big question becomes you know the the egg will make the deepest desire of the user come true. And initially it seems like it was for for Yudimiri, it was to enable her to have babies, right? Because that was the reason why she was abandoned by her tribe and kind of a source of of real pain for her was the fact that she she was sterile and that, you know, was a huge you know, probably the number one trauma point for her. And so you see, she starts to be horribly disfigured, but suddenly gives birth question mark to a creature, mm-hmm. which then proceeds to die in a day because it's incapable of eating, and that happens again and again. So it's a very much a, I feel I, that's when I thought it's very much a monkey's paw thing, right? I mean, and there's no way a person who wants to be able to bear children would want to constantly bear them and have them die in a day right that's doesn't seem like anything anybody would want so again that's a, a to me it's an example of the abyss kind of being an incredibly warped place and you know things maybe not being fully comprehended correctly because that definitely wasn't wasn't great and then it still didn't you know really solve the problem at hand of everybody is slowly withering away and dying and then wascan that's big, and you know, because he was saying the entire time that that this that well this kid is going to save us is what he kept saying, right? Yeah. And in, in essence, she did because her offspring were, I I guess, a cure because yeah that that right? I mean, that's she you know he cooked them up into that delicious, irresistible stew, right? And yeah. And everybody. More or less recovered um Bellof kind of went insane because he you know couldn't kind of ever Except come to a grips... modest proposal yeah, i mean he well that and that was i again this all kind of ties into you know um the formation of the city right so um eventually Udamui up up and goes goes to find you know a place to to settle down and become Yuruburu, basically. And Beloff is the first to, you know, run in and, and sacrifice himself, saying, you know, I, I took away your... You know, he even said, I took, I took what was most precious to you. Please take everything from me. And at least for those initial residents, Beloff basically was given the most elegant form out of all of the original inhabitants, right? Did I, he get a my... cradle? I forget. He did not. <laughs> okay. So, my I, I, again, I have all sorts of theories. I'm trying to go about this in a bit bit of an bit of an orthodox manner, but you know, Beloff was given, you know, this massive form, right? He became this enormous serpentine creature and he was kind of hauntingly beautiful still, right? Like he was kind of a kind of a hauntingly beautiful in you know, a human form, but even in his his hollow form, he was still quite you know, hauntingly beautiful compared to kind of what we're used to seeing of Hollow Bee, right? So
2: I want to go back to the, uh, the, the wishing eggs and the interference units. Yeah, let's. I I think that I, I hadn't thought about that the thing that Wazikhan possibly already had one that he had somehow found or something and hadn't done and I'm trying to figure out, because it's like you know the interference units they you know say via uh you know like translate you know, the English translation and say you know like like we observe touch search and gather yet they answer all of these other questions and they go out and they find these they find more of these wishing stones and they om- and they say like oh here's here's who should use it and how but like if Wazikan had already used it. It feels like he might have used it very correctly, whereas um uh what's uh iru Mui, Um whereas like yes, she had the purest wish, but what does that mean? That means that she wished to be a mom, not like I wish to be a mom to babies that can survive. <laughs>
0: and so those, that that to me those ties a monkey into, pod her well, that also ties into the cra- those cradles of desire probably aren't as powerful individually right because in to to finally achieve her her greatest wish, which was fap which was fapta, it took three eggs right to to accomplish that, and on top of that, it took her becoming the city, like it was the amount of 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 sacrifice she had to make to finally get her greatest desire was basically everything um so my thought on that is that a singular egg is not necessarily enough to achieve a really lofty wish is kind of where i was going with even i because i feel like even wazukyan's desire was to have you know to to have the the golden city, so to speak. And even that was kinda of, that kinda of came with the stipulation that, well, you can become you can have your golden city, but you also can never leave. Right? That was that that was the monkey paw for him, was Was
4: was that his wish or is that what we're
0: Well to that's leave? my theory, right? Okay. Like well well at the very it, it intentions were left really cryptic till the end, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. even at the very end, Nanachi, because Nanachi who's amongst the most perceptive characters even said just how far into the future can he see yeah because he it's almost as if you look at all the chains of actions wazukyan was ha, was catalyzing all of the events to some degree so
4: i feel like uh i i never really bought that he could see into the future um but then once he got the cradle I feel like okay now i could buy that and it's like that gave him that ability.
2: So did he give... So I'm I'm trying to remember. So they found the first egg, basically, and they gave that to Iribui, and that was enough for her to kind of, like, become a large amoebic mass and produce her children one a day. And Wazukun's like, oh, yeah, but that wasn't enough. So I told the interference units to go find another one they did, which seems like, I don't know, I'm like, I'm just, there's so much stuff it feels like, okay, why is the Abyss providing so many things to get people down
4: there?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, he's just um, lying around down there. Yeah. I mean, we we really don't see much of the sixth layer, if you think about it, like, really... Mm-hmm. You know, all we really like—like ninety like percent of the action happens in or around the city. So you really, even though it ta- all takes place in the sixth, like we don't really get to see much of it. So who knows what sorts of amazing treasures lie there, right? Maybe, maybe those, maybe the cradles are relatively easy to find <laughs> down there
3: least if you can survive walking around down there to find them
0: <laughs> yeah and i think that's why he had the interference units because interference units can literally go anywhere right they have n- n- within the layer anyway within the layer they're in they can go- more or less go anywhere they 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 want they're pretty robust so and yeah you're correct do so Wazkian basically at some points told uh Vueko, you know uh Inomui, while Virko was ill, Inomui kind of took a turn for the worse and kind of got weak, so he gave her another egg. Right. and That's kind of what caused her to get even bigger. And, and then, then at
2: some point, he gave her, he gave Inomui...
0: No, she took his... She, remember, to, in order oh. to enter her, the city, you had to give oh. everything up he had he even said yeah but when he when he was telling forgo afterwards when he had transformed he's like yeah she took the she took the egg from me but you know i guess that's the breaks because you know to become a resident right. of the city you have to give up literally everything um but in return the city offers you its its protection in the form of the balancing as well as it gives you bestows upon you a form that more or less matches what your desires inner desires are was what the uh, Majikaja was explaining to um Rico when when the when the three main characters first entered Iruburu. so um mm. uh we could, I could spend literally an entire episode plus on on that or, you know the the past segments but I I would like to Move on to Iruburu itself, because I feel like, out of all of the, in my opinion, really fascinating things in Season 2 of Abyss TV, Iruburu the City itself was quite possibly the most interesting, because it in and of itself had its own very intricate rule system within the already very convoluted rules of the Abyss. So... What we see early on when uh, Nanachi, Riko, and Reg enter Iriburu is a functioning society with bartering based on value, and the value is kind of uh, as a value starts as a concept, but it can basically become crystallized into uh, currency, right? That is then tied to you and you alone until you opt to spend it.
2: That's so, it's so weird. I'm like, so Uribudu is a a central bank, so how do we, how do we control for, well, I guess, I guess that's kind of how they control for inflation and chasing stuff is they do the, the luring where they lure something else inside and kill it to gain its value. I mean, um,
4: do they even need to deal with inflation at all? Because it's,
2: it's (laughs) all like arbitrary, right? Let's talk it's... about monetary policy as it applies inside Uduvudu. <laughs> Let's. This is what we're talking about. Good as any. Good as any. There's there's money in the ground.
0: Well, <laughs> well, so obviously value is a personal thing, and you know different people will value different things things differently. But one thing that seemed to be, well, I guess two things that seemed to be universal truths were: Rico, as a hu- un, as an unblemished human child, was probably the singularly most valuable thing in. All of Uriburu at that time would would we all agree with that? Mm-hmm. And then Nanachi is probably a close second, given everything that happened with uh, with Belloff. Um, I believe one Nanachi equals like uh, I, one quarter a Riko maybe one half a Rico. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever the the equivalent of two eyeballs or half your innards or your two legs ends up being. Um, Can
2: we stick on that for a second? There? Yeah, I would I, love I'm... to.
0: So yeah,
2: I'm still trying to understand, like, well, one, the part where Nanachi got, like, put to sleep. That, that was my least favorite thing in the whole series. You but know, that's... it was
0: for me at first, too. But we'll, we can go back to that point yeah. in a second. But
2: with the thing where, like, um, Belloff, like, intentionally... Like for whatever reason, I don't know what he took, but apparently, basically, nearly nothing from Nanachi, and then well, put well, Nanachi he, to sleep to give took, the no,
0: no, no. He took non- literally. He took Nanachi. Like Nanachi was his property at that point.
2: It's, I was very confused on that. So, part, but...
0: I was too until what, at, when, when you think about what the third, to last episode. Once the once Fapta had breached, and you know, um, Nanachi was basically, basically Belov uh, woke Nanachi up. I. My suspicion is that Belof also knew what the end game was and understood that Nanachi was actually the perfect uh perfect person slash character to bestow all of the knowledge that he has and to retain it because Belloff basically was one of the last uh last inhabitants. That knew the entire history of not just Yuduubudu but of the ganja squad that formed it, right, like he knows everything, yeah. start to finish, and he wanted to make sure that that story was not going to be lost in the abyss, and so he bequeathed it to Nanachi for through the the smoke, right his smoke was able to to pass on his his memory, and so he he uh, his original role was to make sure that he passed on all of that to Fapta, because Fapta was not working with a complete uh, picture of the situation, right? So
2: It's like they always say, puff, puff, pass.
0: <laughs> and so my thoughts on why Balof kind of held on to Nanachi was to have Nanachi be, you know, the the storyteller, so to speak. Although, I guess at the same time, I mean, Fapta was going to be have all of those memories as well. But because even at the end, Belloff said, uh, "I actually uh, ha- greatly care for all three of you when, Which when he was referring to Nanachi, Rico and Rex. So I think that whole that whole segment of him bartering, trying to barter with Rico to get Nanachi back was it, as, was intentionally done with an impossible ask of Rico, because obviously Rico's not going to Rico's number one desire is to travel to the bottom of the abyss right? That's never wavered from from the beginning. I mean, yeah, she greatly values her friends and her relationships, but at the at the end of the day, her number one desire is to go to the bottom of the abyss and if she had to give up any of those stipulations, there was no way she'd be able to achieve that. And also Majikaja kind of didn't let her anyway. He just kind of took her and and tossed her out because uh he, he he said you can't do that. You're you're too valuable to do that. So
4: they didn't read off as being that prescient like i i always i guess in retrospect i saw him as the uh, belaf is the past and uh uh dang what's the uh, wazukyan is the guy who's knows the future uh but only when stuff starts going down that he realizes that nanachi is what he has to work with to make sure that he fulfills his duty
0: I feel like it must have been planned to some extent because when Nanachi finally air quotes, you know, goes through the the power up with the helmet, which oh my gosh, that scene (laughs) when Nanachi leaves with with Miti like That's cool. I'm a bawling mess every single time I see that scene. It was Mm -hmm. it was pretty hard to watch for like a third time now at this point. Um, even even just talking about it is, makes me like choke up a bit. But but, but when Nanachi shows up, you know, to t- to save the day with the it, that lure with the weird arrowhead that puts the goo on <laughs> on on things, and then Belloff strikes it. Like it's pretty clear to me that that was a very intentionally designed thing for Nanachi and Belloff. So. Wait, wait what was that thing? was
2: that what the fish was that what the fishing rod was doing? Yeah, was, was, was Nunchu was marking it because yeah, cause and Bellof then Belov wouldn't necessarily see.
0: Well, yeah, and actually, that's that's an well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Belov doesn't have eyes, right? Like Belov's eyes, air quotes, were these weird organs that enabled him to eat more or less, which is why he wanted Mitty in the first place because it was an infinite source of sustenance and it couldn't die, so. Um, yeah, but it was like a fishing lure with like an arrowhead that put this weird mark, like this weird scent on it. And that's how Belof could know where to strike. Uh, okay.
4: But how does that mean that there was a plan?
0: Well, I, I, why, why, would, why would it be a weapon like that if it wasn't a plan, right? Like it was clearly meant to synergize with Belof. So why, why, I feel like it, our Bel- if it wasn't planned ahead of time, that weapon wouldn't have been made.
4: Great, bye. So by, sorry, where did that thing come from? Then I don't. Really
0: I believe know. it was it was a part of the gift from the the creatures that Beloff had. Um, uh, I forgot the name of it. the 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 little the, the 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 cute creatures that a lot that Beloff had with Miti that all mm. kind of took a liking to Nanachi. Like they all came running out and said, you know, oh, we made this out oh, of yeah, the ter- right. And then you know, it's
4: so mm. yeah, maybe I'm not not totally convinced, but. Yeah, there's certainly some some of that going on in the, the that place too. So maybe maybe even if, if he didn't know, maybe he was told.
2: Or it could be it could be kind of like Sam said, where maybe it was that Nanachi was was there and Baloff realized that this was all gonna go down because this human girl and crazy interference like unit of Ray and uh, you know, the other half of Mitty came down, so he could have realized been like, okay, well, this is what I got, so my little my little min, min minions, go make this sweet looking helmet and make my fishing rod sized to, a Nanachi sized fishing rod. Go, uh,
4: yeah, secrete some fluids and make a make a thing. Whatever they I do. Don't know.
0: What, what about you, Mike? What are your thoughts on, on this uh, this topic? Hmm.
3: I'm honestly not sure. Sorry, I was spacing a little bit there.
0: Oh, it's okay.
2: So... So your your hypothesis, and I think I kind of come around to this too, is that Belloff's attempted bargain with Riku was him bluffing at a cost that was the actual what probably was the value, and was probably one where Belloff was kind of hoping that Riku wouldn't wouldn't you know pay the price, and then he was probably somewhat relieved when Maji Kajik got her the hell out of there.
0: I that's my working theory. Um, I think. I my impression of Beloff is that he, more than any other character, wanted to atone for what I, I'm I'm coining it the original sin of the abyss, where you know of you know e- eating Edomuyi's children. Like he was the one who he never it was never normalized for him, right? Like in that segment yeah. where you know they're like they were you know you see these people you know worship like praying and worshiping Edomuyi as they take away her you know her her baby so that they can, you know, they can feed the, the city or the, the denizens, but Belloff never, like he went nearly, he nearly went insane, right, like, he almost lost his mind trying, because he, he said, you know, please stop feeding it to me, but it's, t- I can't resist it, but I, I don't want to eat it, I'd rather, I'd rather perish, is what he was saying, but Wazkan's well, kind of like, no, 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 we need you, and he was correct, Um, but he was saying, we need you Beloff, and then you know, again, Beloff was the first to sacrifice himself to Yudubudu, and
2: but it was it was Beloff's desire that opened the door too, because that's why Wazikan needed him was to have Beloff open the door because no one else had, you know, if you call it that, pure desire, because everyone else was tainted, and
0: so actually, I'm glad you brought that up. So, so. So, iruburu in and it of itself, right? Ha- there's the membrane, which was its protective barrier. But the membrane, the only thing it actually would f- physically stopped was, uh, was FAPTA. Like, interference units could enter as they please. Riko, Reg, and Nanachi were able to enter without issue. So, I don't necessarily think that's the reason. I believe the whole concept, and this was explained by Majikaja, was you you in order to become a a permanent resident of Uruburu you had to sacrifice your body to the city but in return the city would bequeath you with a form that matches your desires
3: at that point essentially you become a living part of the city in a sense so i guess it makes sense on that membrane sense that like the membrane would keep the various walking internal organs of the city in
0: <laughs> and that to, to me that also ties in with the three eggs and and what the the wishes were i'm of the opinion that um had multiple wishes because let's be real people want more than one thing Um. Obviously, she had multiple cradles. So I believe, and this could also tie in with her having her absorbing uh, Wazakians as well. Was I think that the city, as if uh, I think the initial formation of the city was was the second cradle, and she wanted a place for all of her friends and family to be able to live safely. (laughs) <laughs> to be to have to become to to have a homeland because these are all people who had no place to call home right like yeah, they that's and so and then the third egg was Wazkans and his initial wish was to have you know was I, I, at least my initially i feel his wish was to have you know to find the golden city and in effect that's kind of what iruburu became kind of um i think the real I think the real Golden City that was described in these scriptures, you know, in the past is wherever Reg comes from, because Mm -hmm. it's pretty clear that when Wazukyan saw Reg, I mean, uh, Voiko said at first, is like, I've never seen Wazukyan look so scared when he was looking at Reg, because... He knew that Reg is. He called Reg the the prince, right? Oji-sama. He says that Reg is the prince mm-hmm. and Fapta is the princess. So it's clear that he equates, you know, Reg to what to Fapta. And Fapta was the what they call what the embodiment of desire, I believe. I mean, quite literally,
2: embodiment of value. Of, right.
0: Yeah, the value. Or, you're right. Of value, she is quite literally the most valuable thing to any resident of of Iruburu. Like they all quite, you know, they all tear up and and you know, kind of look catatonic when they when they see her so when
4: did he when did that happen where he says he was scared of reg what what when was that so
0: this was this was when vuek when when rico had released vueko from her um gooey jail Mm -hmm. and uh and uh, Wazkian had
2: Wazikan had had wrapped her in himself after. So this No, is no, like no, no,
0: this is no? wait. No, this is before. At this point, Wazkian still didn't know. Well, at least it wasn't made known that Wazkian knew that Vueko was out yet. Like this was still kind of the oh, hush okay. hush that Vueko had had broken free because she thought she wasn't supposed to, even though it turned out he didn't care. Um, but it was when it was either right after. No, 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 it's not. It was definitely when um reg first came back from getting his his encounter with with uh fapta so that must have been the luring it was right after the luring
4: so does does he know though about the the past between reg and um fapta
2: i don't think so because that only happened outside of of the city as best as best we saw from any of the recollections, he, yeah, yeah, only it only was... happened outside the city. And... So
0: he probably could draw. He's a smart person. He probably could draw the correlation that there is some kind of relationship between yeah. um, Reg and Fapda. He goes, "Oh, let's. I guess we can go to this point because the whole concept of interference units was brought up in in this season, and when you look at the form." Reg sure has a lot of features that resemble an interference unit, right? Mm -hmm. Very, very mechanical. Has the uh, the the blaster arm. Obviously, his is considerably more powerful than than Gabu's, and I feel like Gaburon was like the next most powerful one we've seen aside from Reg. Mm -hmm. And well, we
2: don't know because the other ones were so. The other ones that we saw there were like so.
0: I mean, kind Fop, of passive
2: Fop. and not expecting Fop to just and like
0: Fopda literally just annihilated them when she was born. So and so, but and and the biggest difference also is that that Reg can traverse the layers of the abyss where the other interference units cannot. So that's automatically makes them very special. So was I that think because
4: of the curse or just because they I, didn't I have don't, the that's,
0: that's their directive. It's their directive. Yeah, okay. So they, they're they're pro, Basically, their programming doesn't allow them to traverse. Right, so it's not so much but... that they're, they're
4: limited functionally, or maybe that's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like, they may physically be able to, but they're not allowed to correct.
2: Well, I'm not sure, because I, I have to go back and look, but I feel like there's references to... Those units or something existing on the other layers, but they'd like all been
0: they, you know, But again, destroyed they're, at they're, some point. Their programming tell their programming won't let them, they were placed there by somebody, but their programming well, my didn't question. allow them to exit the layer that they were put on because their whole purpose is to interact and observe.
2: So I can understand their being programmed, but my question is: were they literally like placed there, or did they? come up from the the golden city of the deep moon or whatever it is and did their programming say ascend to the second level and stop and observe and we'll, we'll get your reports back down here I,
0: I think that's a great question and that probably has there's probably no way to know that for certain
4: just so, yeah. Assume yeah the yeah, other option is yeah. they were just placed on each layer that they were supposed to stay. Right. right.
0: That's that's kind of where I think it is is wh- whoever the creator or creators of those interference units are had uh, did just that. So I guess and I guess since we're on the topic of Reg, so it turns out Reg was always Reg, right? We know this now. Yeah, yeah that was
4: that was pretty wild.
0: Yeah. When because his you know when he the first we see the first instance of reg before he ascended into orth right before he mm-hmm. lost all his memories, and one, he was speaking a completely different language and looked like he was on already on some sort of journey from what what it looked like because of just how he it looked like he was traveling light, so to speak. And then he ends up running into Fapta and Gabu and helps, you know, uh, f- helps with um, fixing Gabu and then ultimately uh,
1: sticking around with Fapta for a while. And...
4: So can we assume that that um, Rico's mom, boy, I don't remember her name already. That, Liza? Liza, yeah, sent yeah. him up at that time and then he lost yeah. his memories sometime so... near the top.
0: So my theory is that at some that either Liza is his creator, or Liza has has some ties to Reg's origin and hence his name. Because Reg, according to Rico, Reg was the name of the dog she had, right? Mm-hmm. When she named him, oh. but Reg was already named Reg when when Fapta met him. So.
4: That could be that, a coincidence too, right? Like, uh, I mean, that's a hell of a coincidence. Well, <laughs> like, like or
3: did Liza name the dog? Or
0: yeah, that's what otherwise? I mean, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's even that's even more. Yeah, that's levels. where I was at. Because yeah, there's, like, it's definitely for sure a certainty that Reg has interacted with Liza because he has some spotty flashbacks of her, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a given. It that or those are like false memories. But Reg, Reg I don't think
3: lost. His memories when he used up all his power before being then recharged by, either that or by being so um, shockingly recharged by the kids in the early episode.
4: Did they actually recharge him, or was that just his being out period? Because he goes out for like I don't remember twelve hours well, or something like that. But remember, his Two energy hours. gauge was
3: really low, and then it was at the top. He oh yeah, has that's true. He does have to recharge. Of how many shots mm-hmm. he has left? Yeah. So it hmm. feels like maybe if he runs completely out of that energy then he's no longer refreshing his non-volatile memory or... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so leaving leaving this to as a, you know, question mark topic but still related. So can, is it concluded now that Reg is Rico's Albod because of the way he responds to the whistle? I mean, I what remember.
2: what does that term yeah. mean other than like it means like a so know, super
0: So an well, Albot is like a super rare you yeah. know and and well I guess to put it into perspective, remember recall with Ozen, the the regeneration cube or whatever only responds to her and her whistle because it's basically oh. hers. It's tied to her now. Is okay. is reg. So reg is basically an a relic of incomprehensible value and power and is now officially air quotes is is Rico's property because of the way he responds with to her whistle is is that kind of mm. that's the, that's kind of the message i got through i see what you're
2: going two. through i could i could i could get along i could i could hop on yeah. that message train
0: right because i mean we see we saw, we saw dark reg in uh in dawn of the deep soul and here we see like holy night reg right He. keep He literally gains, you know, power that we haven't really seen him have before. And also kind of focus, right? Like, he's usually kind of, like, really wishy-washy and poor at decision-making. But anytime he's in that powered-up mode, he makes decisions very quickly, acts upon them very precisely, and gets it done.
3: It's... Interesting what Riku's white whistle looks like, too, that it has both black and white elements to it. I'm trying to remember what the others we've seen look like and whether any of them were two-toned like that.
0: Hmm, that's a good question. I don't recall. They're, I mean, there they definitely are different shapes and sizes. Well, not I guess not really sizes, but shapes, for sure. Because hers kind of had a very like sharp arrowhead look to it, almost, right? Once it was uh, uh fully... Uh, fully polished, I guess you could say.
3: So There's also the implication as well as that, yeah, hers isn't fully polished. It was polished as well as the artisan could, but ah, that, that is true. not the whistle's right. final form.
0: Because the artisan said, this is the most I can bring out of it, actually. So those were his words. He didn't say, this is the best it'll be, this is the best I could do with it, was basically what he said. So that's a good point, Mike. So it could be that the whistle could get more powerful even.
4: I wonder what that means about the whistles in general too though. Like are they do the people above even know about this?
0: That's that's a great question. I I'm willing to bet some of them do. Bell at least at least Bondrud probably did because Bondrud sure, he's he visited the the city. So
2: sure. The white the white whistles I think I think they do, but I think the rest of the whole whistle culture, it's like it's like an echo of this thing where it's like, oh, these whistles are... We heard that these, these whistle things are cool. And they're like, oh, well, so we'll make whistles. And then it goes I, down to being like a kid's whistle thing.
0: I completely oh, yeah. agree. Because I think the comprehension of what a white whistle is when you are one versus aspiring to be one are two completely different, like, trains of thought. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely get... I mean, they, are, they basically said as much, right? Like, they don't tell the lower-down people everything, so... But it's just it's these people are the ones who know how to do this stuff with the whistle and, and I mean I guess they could have found out from Bondrude about this stuff since he did go down there. Um I don't know. I guess maybe oh, toe, 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 there's toe, been
2: toe. others too but Oh to I don't think Bondrude's telling anyone anything.
0: Uh yeah, I found maybe. it I think I he's telling really people
3: things. How much and how accurate is the question? <laughs>
0: I find it very interesting that they went out of their, out of their way to I mean obviously they needed to do it because it, it, as far as va- we're going back to the value thing literally the thing Nanachi valued the most in in existence was gone right Nanachi gave gave up Mitty finally was able to give up give up Mitty and so you know and 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 then the very distant second and third probably are Rico and Reg but the second Miti is mentioned, his, his whole, or their whole demeanor changed, right? And was, it was kind of the cat... And this is still this, going back to the original thing about that whole section of Nanachi more or less being removed from the equation for most of the season. It, I, I became more okay with it when you put it into the scope of Nanachi had already made peace with giving up the most precious thing in existence and all of a sudden it reappears in a more desirable form even in front of them so but not the guess, real one either it, it's exactly good, so. it's it's a it's a construct right like because bon, because Beloff said bon, no matter what he offered bondrude would not trade for for mitty so bondrude literally gave up basically half not i sorry uh, belloff basically gave up half of his Entire body, and basically you know it to, to, for the balancing, right in order to manifest a miti of his mm-hmm. own, he basically had to sacrifice most of himself, but he did it. Um, but that's also why the, this miti couldn't exist outside of the city, because as soon as you know the city's protection was gone, it, it, it evaporated, which which was, which was also you know a tremendously painful scene to watch again.
4: I'm I'm curious, Dylan, though, what is your beef about Nanachi being asleep?
2: I don't know. It just felt like it was just like, the way it came on just kind of felt like it was just like there and sudden and it was like Nanachi was gone. And to me, it kind of felt like a, it kind of felt like a slightly forced plot device of being like, okay, we got to split him up and we got to take one of them out, and we got to take the strategist out. So we have to have Nanachi out here. So how can we get Nanachi out of this?
0: I I do agree that it felt very sudden, but at least the setup and the rationale behind it makes sense. So that's why I'm more okay with it now when you think about it. From from that perspective, it was it, it seemed less Deus Ex Machina to me than it could have been because the the set at least the setup was correct. The only way to get to take Nanache out of the equation was to get Mitty involved, and they actually found a real way to get you know to a realistic way to get Mitty uh, to be a factor again.
2: Yeah, and I was I was less annoyed. I watched the series through a second time, and uh, overall, actually, I think I liked it a lot more the second time, and I was less. I was less put off by that and I think also in watching it through a second time I watched it much more compressed and so it didn't feel like Nanachi was gone for as long as it did when I watched it the first time where it was like Nanachi was just like not in the show for like a month.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um I, I don't get me wrong, I, I love watching it as it came out, but rewatching it in a shorter form gave me the made the made the, the perspective a little bit more um it compressed i guess so yeah the the time the 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 passage of time in, in real life was less of a factor to me so i agree that's um, I don't, fair I,
3: like i didn't notice nanachi's absence as or that much when i binged the entire series today so
4: i also don't like it i didn't really think about it too much until dylan mentioned it but it does seem kind of like a um more of a plot point like certainly they find a way to make it make sense in how important um, Miti is to Nanachi but it's also like the only reason there's like two purposes Miti serves there one is to separate Nanachi and the other is to just let you know hey bondrude has been here like Bondrude was here like and other than
0: that well, it doesn't the, seem like the, it does well, much a third because Belloff wanted a source of sustenance that was infinite and but also didn't want the and this is this is my spin on it didn't want the guilt of having to kill stuff to keep eating but are like well that solves it if you have true immortality i can keep eating you and you won't die so
4: yeah that was not as i mean it's that's a good one but i feel like that one's not as interesting because i mean they, they could just say well we'll just bring you food right like i don't know it, does, sure, like, sure, it sure, feels sure, a little sure, bit sure. contrived but yeah
0: yeah, I do, sense, I do. I but... do agree that 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 the thing that still sets least kind of well with me is how Nanache was kind of handled. But I don't know. At the end of the day, I was still so enamored with the rest of everything that happened that I'm okay with it. So the bond um, play was powerful, though I will say. Yeah, 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 yeah. It certainly was. So we we've we've blasted through this hour, which does not surprise me in the least. Um and you know we could probably go at length about we didn't we didn't even talk about fapta at all really <laughs> but um maybe maybe we can revisit this topic another time um i'll 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 put that up to vote with the other podcast members because obviously i it's if it's not painfully obvious i could talk about abyss too for for several episodes so um but I guess for, for this session, uh, were, any, any last things people want to discuss, any, you know, hot takes on things that we uh, didn't get to talk about? Uh, how about Mike first?
3: No real hot takes at this point, just it was a really solid series, and like series one, had me crying at the end.
0: Uh, completely reasonable. And the movie, uh,
3: for that matter. Like, yeah. <laughs> Abyss is, if you want to talk series, that different installments will have multiple points that will make you cry. Abyss is a f- one that's up there. All
1: right, what
0: about you, Dylan?
2: Uh, I liked it much more the second time and more on the compressed. And I wonder if it's one of those things, too, where, um, because it's such a compressed time frame that it happens over that maybe almost watching it a little bit faster. And I still watched it over like a couple of weeks. It just kind of, there's so much stuff going on and made it a little bit easier to, to understand. And, uh, I'm totally good to continue with a, uh, TV, TV two part two, uh, discussion either okay, next so time or, or later.
0: That's, that's one vote for continuation.
3: Yeah, I'm fine with continuing.
0: Oh, okay. Let's do. That's all. I mean, let's let, let's let's uh, let's move on to Sam then. What about you, Sam? Anything you want to add for end of today's episode?
4: Uh, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed season one a lot more. Um, I I haven't watched season two a second time yet, so maybe I'll feel differently about it. I didn't. I I, I appreciated more in the first one the, a lot of the exploration they did and that kind of journeying. And this one was all taking place inside this kind of microcosm of the abyss so i was a little bit disappointed by that
3: yeah this one kind of felt more like the movie in that regard
4: yeah yeah that's a good way to put it but you know it was still really good and uh and i look forward to season three in whatever
0: yeah (laughs) whatever So uh, we, thumbs up or thumbs down on the continuation of, uh, of this topic for next time. I mean, I, I'm sure we could talk forever
4: about this show. So, you know. We, All right.
0: Whatever. Well, how, how, about, how about we, uh, we agree then we'll, we'll give it one more and, and call it good until whenever season three comes out. So <laughs> I, 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 we're, I know we're running a bit long, but let me just say this. Um, there's a lot of things that really, really irk me and are just massive turnoffs for me in anime. Um one of those is uh putting in 3DCG
1: that sticks out very obviously
0: the one another is characters that add nonsensical uh what's the word i'm looking for uh nonsensical gibberish to the end of their sentences <laughs> yeah. and and the third are characters who only
1: speak by saying their name this oh, yeah. show this show did all of that
0: and despite that season 2 to me was so much more impactful than season 1 and I didn't think I would actually ever say that Oh, okay. I, abs- I absolutely am head over heels in love with Season 2. Um, it's, it's up there in my... I mean, Abyss is already up there in my all-time favorites anyway, but as Season 2 just kind of really solidifies it for me, uh, I love it a lot. And uh, it looks like we'll at, at least be able to talk about it for one more episode. So thank you to, uh, to our listeners for this little bit longer episode. This is Amo Kenzoku Signing off. Saraba.